Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Guillard, and every Saturday I'll be covering frequently asked questions as well as the history of the church, the Holy Land, the Bible, and or Bible prophecy. I pray that as you hear God's truth, that it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And I pray that you find the hope, joy, and peace that only the living God, Jesus Christ, can give. Be blessed. Are you a halfway Christian? Are you missing the salvation of Jesus? Do you call yourself a Christian? I did for many years, yet I wasn't saved. I had absolutely no assurance that when I died, I'd spent eternity with Jesus. In reality, if I had died back then, I would have gone to hell. I was a halfway Christian until I finally saw the light. And this brings me to the question, are you missing the salvation of Jesus Christ? Well, let's find out. What is halfway Christianity? I first came upon the term halfway Christians when I was doing research for my series on where the Catholic Church went wrong. And if you're not familiar with that, you can click on over to my blog, the link is in the show notes, and check it out. It's eye-opening. It goes, um, the phrase halfway Christians goes back to the Protestant Reformation in Europe and the Anabaptists. Arthur Bruce Shelley tells the story in the revised edition of Church History in Plain Language. It's a really good book if you want to learn about church history, and um, uh, I highly recommend it. And you can click on over to my blog, I'm a Christian Book Affiliate, and you can get it for yourself. It's not that expensive. Um, and I quote, as an excerpt from the book, Under the cover of darkness, a dozen or so men trudged slowly through the snow falling in Zurich on January 21st, 1525. Quietly but resolutely, they made their way through the narrow streets. The wintry chill blowing off the lake seemed to match their mood as they approached the man's house, that's M-A-N-Z, near the Great Minster, the largest church in town. The city council of Zurich had that day ordered their leaders, Conrad Grebel and Felix Manns, to stop holding Bible classes. Opposition was mounting. Only four days before, the council had warned all parents to have their babies baptized within eight days of birth or face banishment from the territory. What were the brethren going to do? They agreed to meet at the man's house to decide. Once inside, they shared their rumors and reports, and then they called on God to enable them to do his will. They arose from prayer to take one of the most decisive actions in Christian history. George Blaurock, a former priest, stepped over to Conrad, Conrad Brebel and asked him for baptism in the apostolic fashion, upon confession or personal faith in Jesus Christ. Grebel baptized him on the spot. Blaurock proceeded to baptize the others. Thus, Anabaptism, literally rebaptism, another important expression of the Protestant Reformation was born. And that again is an excerpt from Bruce Shelley's book, 
uh, church history in plain language. And it's interesting. George Blaurock, a former priest, asked to be baptized again. He saw the light. Thus, they coined the phrase halfway Christian to describe anyone who had not affirmed Jesus Christ as their personal savior and been baptized, showing themselves and the world that they are born again to a new life in Christ. The apostolic fashion is depicted clearly in the book of Acts. And if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, click on over to my blog and check out the study I have on that one. I also have a podcast uh, playlist on the book of Acts, which you can search for in, um, in the podcast app. And I also have a graphic over in my blog of the history of Christian denominations. And it's really interesting, very colorful too, because it, it shows where the church started splitting from early Christianity. <clears throat> what in the world happened to the church? That always fascinated me ever since I started studying the Bible. How did we get from the church in the book of Acts to what we have today? That's the great apostasy. Moreover, the apostle Paul called it. What is the great apostasy? Well, Paul wrote about the last days. And we're in 2 Thessalonians, starting in chapter, um, in cha I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Okay, Paul writes, now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back for he can be revealed only when his time comes, for his lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe all these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. End quote. Jan Markell of Olive Tree Ministries, who was one of my go-to sources for Bible prophecy, wrote an article in her latest newsletter under the title, What Happened to My Church? And I quote, what was wrong with the old way of doing church? Someone made a conscious decision that we should have a new way of doing church. Although many members and attendees agreed there was nothing wrong with old, old ways of doing church. Terms began being used like purpose-driven, seeker-sensitive, church growth movement, postmodernism, emergent wokeness, and more. 
people started to hear about love, unity, and tolerance. We must be known for what we agree on, not what we disagree on. Everything and everyone must be accepted. Aberrations must be accepted. People loved having their ears tickled. They would be encouraged to feel good and have their self-esteem built up. Sound doctrine was being set aside. And that's from Jan Markell from Olive Tree Ministries. You want to check out her website, click on over to my blog, click on the link there. A study earlier this year by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found that just 37% of Christian pastors in America have a biblical worldview. In other words, two-thirds, a great majority of Christian pastors of all denominations do not have a biblical worldview. Even worse is that only half of quote-unquote evangelical pastors have a biblical worldview. That's why I refuse to call myself evangelical. I am a born-again biblical Christian believer. Check out my testimony at the bottom of my blog. Again, the link is in the show notes. Beware of false teachers. Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, and other New Testament writers warned us about the false teachers and prophets that would come along. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4, starting in verse 1, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, someone will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons or doctrines of demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. And Jesus told us, Matthew 7, starting in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces fruit fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So now who is a halfway Christian? Well, a halfway Christian knows who Jesus is as part of that Jesus, who let me start that again. A halfway Christian knows who Jesus is as part of the Holy Trinity. However, you don't know him in your heart. You have head knowledge, but no heart knowledge. A halfway Christian knows who the Holy Spirit is and probably thinks they received him at confirmation. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit is not alive in you. A halfway Christian can recite the Apostles' Creed by heart. Yet you have no idea of its significance. A halfway Christian attends a church regularly thinking they are okay. Sadly, sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian, just like sitting in a bank doesn't make you rich. A halfway Christian rarely, if ever, reads the Bible, the inerrant word of God. Thus, you are missing out on the gospel truth. A halfway Christian thinks that that they are Christian because they are not Jewish, Muslim, or any other religion. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You know, in the book of Acts, um, uh, Luke tells us when um, and where the first followers of Jesus were first called Christians. 
and a halfway Christian thinks they are Christian because they were born into a family that was Catholic, Orthodox, or another denomination. What do the Gospels say about knowing Jesus? Well, Jesus himself told us in Matthew 7, starting in verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And he reiterated this in the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. We find that in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus, by the way. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up, prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are out. But the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. And I'll be doing a deeper study on this parable as it compares to an ancient Jewish wedding in a few weeks. So subscribe so you don't miss out. But I have to say, one of the saddest phrases in the Bible is Jesus saying to you, believe me, I don't know you or I never knew you. My question is, are you a halfway Christian? If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way, nonstop ticket to heaven after you die, that you won't be left behind at the rapture, which can happen in any moment. This is what you have to do. You have to believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever. And he rose from the dead three days later. You need to repent of your sins that it stop sinning. Do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized by water baptism and show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. There's a prayer in the show notes. Or you can click on over to my blog clip where it says how to know Jesus. In the bottom of today's blog, I have a couple of praise songs. Um, I have listed what are the five solas, sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, sola Christus, e solideo gloria. And I also have my testimony so you can see how I went from Catholic to born again in three crazy stages. But and I say it, solideo gloria, to God alone be the glory.
If you're just starting to read the Bible and prefer to hold a book in your hands rather than use an app, it's a good idea to get a study Bible. But which version or translation is best? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and the thousands, stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the New International Version, and that was great for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New Living Translation. I'm an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen two study Bibles that would be great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.